you'll recall, a couple weeks ago, we looked at uh, the sinful tendencies that we all have. And if you'll think about it, a lot of the things you struggle with, if you'll think back, uh, Dad sort of struggled with that, and I am pretty sure Grandpa struggled with that too. And we saw in Exodus that uh, those sinful things that we uh, hold on to, they get passed down to the third and the fourth generation. We saw that uh, because uh, Jacob's grandpa, Abraham, he played favorites. He chose Isaac over Ishmael. And that's where it seems to have started. Uh, And and then uh, Jacob's father, well, he was playing favorites too. Uh, He chose Esau and his mom, Rebecca. Who did he choose? Who did she choose? She chose Jacob. So you got the second generation, and sure enough, when uh, Jacob is a father, he does the very same thing. He's playing favorites with his son, Joseph, over all of the other sons. Here's the point. You've got to identify those tendencies. And unless you want to pass them on now to the next generation and then to your grandkids and then to your great-grandkids, you're going to have to say, Lord, show me what those are. And by your grace, Lord, uh, you give me the power and then the tenacity. We're going we're gonna to stop that in this generation. Uh, last week, we looked at uh, a pretty interesting episode in the life of Jacob and Esau. Uh, do you recall? Um, Esau comes home. He's been out in the woods all day. He's starving. Um, he thinks he's going to die, Peter. Uh, although, anyway, uh, anyway uh, he, he says, hey, what's, what's that you got cooking over there? It smells amazing. Please bring me a bowl. And uh, Jacob says to him, what? Uh, okay, uh, I'll bring you a bowl of soup, uh, but you give me your birthright for a bowl of soup. And do you recall, what, what does Esau do? Okay, give me the food. And, and he digs in, and, and he chows down, and literally we know that Abraham and Isaac were very, very well. He literally sells uh, his inheritance, or at least the, the uh, eldest share, for something that's kind of silly, a bowl of beans for millions of dollars. Uh, silliness. So that's uh, what happened last week. And in, in what was the application? Sometimes, sometimes we've got this amazing, awesome inheritance in Jesus Christ. We have this birthright that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we've been given. And, and how often are we selling who we are in Christ for bowls of beans that this world has to offer? And uh, that can come in a variety of forms. But just, just realize you're, you're buying beans uh, with something that's worth millions and billions because of your position, because of your identity in Christ. Uh, today, um, I want to begin by talking to you about ham wars. Ham wars. Uh, this is a uh, true story, sadly. Uh, large church in Dallas, Texas. Um, they uh, got ugly with each other and the church split. Uh, some of the people said, we don't like you anymore and we're mad at you. And uh, members on one side of the issue uh, were making all sorts of accusations about the other side and they were doing the same. Pretty soon, uh, 
shocking uh, lawsuits were filed. And so, some of the groups, one group was trying to gain possession of the church, and the other said, no, that's our church, and now they're suing each other for libel, they're suing each other for slander, uh, and uh, pretty soon it became so well-known in the city, uh, a Dallas newspaper said, uh, let's find out what, what's going on here. How did this begin? Because, man, they hate each other. They're, they're going for blood. They're trying to uh, kill each other. Where did this grudge war begin? True story. I wish it weren't true. <laughs> At a church potluck, or if you prefer, carrying dinner, you can go either way there, uh, uh, an elder in the church, one of the church leaders, was in line at a church carry-in potluck dinner, uh, and a young boy in front of the elder got served a large piece of ham. And following this boy was the elder, and he got served a smaller piece of ham. True story. And he was pretty sure that that was intentional. That was an intentional slight. They gave me the small piece of ham, and they were trying to send a message, and he said, message received, war on. And from a smaller piece of ham came this really amazing lawsuit and ugliness that almost everybody in the city uh, became aware of, and especially after they put it in the newspaper, uh, Church split, uh, lawsuits filed, and here's, here's the key thing you need to understand. And Jesus Christ and his church and his kingdom got two big black eyes. Why? Over a piece of ham. Can I just tell you, a lot of times, not always, but... I would even say most of the time, grudges start small and little, and they tend to grow and morph into big-time grudges. Uh, this morning, we're going to look at today a big-time grudge. Um, it began over a hungry brother named Esau who allowed his stomach rumbling to overrule his clear thinking and Esau for a bowl of stew, that's what we looked at last week, uh, Genesis 25, 29 to 34, sold his birthright, his inheritance, worth millions for a bowl of beans. Would you please stand with me if you're able? Uh, how did that thoughtless episode move into a grudge that continues even to today? See, that's what you need to understand. That grudge back in Genesis 25, and now we're going to look at Genesis 27, some of the effects and consequences are still going on right now. Read with me, would you please? When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I'm now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like, and bring it to me to eat, 
so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat, so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. For his mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food, just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goat skins. Then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread she had made. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, inspiring and recording for us not just the, the happy, heroic stories when people look great. Uh, Lord, thank you for even uh, recording some of the ugly sides of people, ugly sides of families, even the ugly sides of families, Lord, that were in the family tree of your son, Jesus. Lord, help us to realize that uh, the folks that we just read about and are going to look at today, they were sinful and selfish and prone to wander, just like each and every one of us who are here today are at times. Lord, help us to learn from this family this morning. Lord, I believe the reason you recorded this is a warning, and it's a lesson that we can and should be learning from. So help us to to learn the lessons from your word today. Uh, show us what can result when grudges fester and become a part of our lives and become a part of our families. Lord, may your spirit, the very same spirit that inspired these words to be written down, may your spirit be welcome today in your church. More specifically, Lord, I'm asking that your spirit might be welcomed in each of our individual lives. Lord, you come and take charge of our hearts. We give you permission to take charge of our minds. And Lord, uh, would you also take charge of our wills, our choosers? You come and sit on the place that you deserve to sit on each and every day. You come and sit on the throne. All the church family at Walloon Lake said with one strong voice, you may be seated. Let's take a, 
some time to start looking at the details of how this grudge took flight. Okay? I, I think it's, it's pretty important that you understand how did this grudge get going? Okay, we read uh, what kind of led up, but let's keep reading in uh, Genesis chapter 27. Uh, locate verse 18. If you have your Bibles, we're going to keep, keep going on. So Jacob, at his mother's urging, goes into his father Isaac, and he pretends, that's the key, he's pretending as though he's Esau. So he goes, and verse 19, he even says it. I am Esau, your firstborn. Liar. And I, and I want you to sit up, Father, because I want you to eat the stew that you asked for because I'm ready now to receive your blessing. Verse 21. Isaac says, uh, Come close, my son, so I can touch you. Uh, must have been some doubt in Isaac because he's not sure. I, I want to touch you. I want to make sure that you really are Esau. Verse 22 Jacob's pretending to be Esau. Isaac touches him. Remember, he's covered his arms and his neck in goat skin. Yeah, that feels like Esau, but verse 22 says, but the voice, the voice is off. The voice is causing some doubts for Isaac. Verse 24, are you really my son Esau? Question, what's he say? I am. I am. Liar. Verse 25. Uh, then let's, let's eat. Give me that good food. Uh, then I'll bless you. Then I'll bless you. Verse 26. Then Isaac said, uh, come close. Come close. Verse 27. Uh, come close and give me a kiss. So Jacob goes close and kisses his father. Any other famous kisses of betrayal come to your mind? Uh, oh, yeah, Judas. Yeah. He, he was a kisser when he didn't mean it either. Verse 27, Isaac smells Esau's clothes, which Jacob was wearing, and with his nose, now assured, uh, this is Esau, he's ready to offer Jacob, he's ready to offer Jacob Esau's blessing. Okay? Now listen to the blessing. It's lots more than just money. Verse 28, here's the blessing that Isaac Praise over. He thinks it's Esau, but it's actually Jacob. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. Esau. May those who curse you be cursed. And those who bless you, be blessed. It's a lot more than just money. Uh, and Jacob just barely leaves his father blessing him. Uh, and he heads out the door. This is like a script, like a Hollywood movie. And as soon as he exits, who do you suppose enters in and arrives with Stu? Esau. He's the one who actually had been tasked with going and preparing the stew. And he says, verse 31, Hey, Dad, here's your stew. Sit up. Eat up. Time to bless me. <laughs> verse 31, uh, who 
are you? Isaac is confused. What's going on here? Uh, I'm Esau, your firstborn. Verse 33. You can feel the emotion as you read it. Isaac trembled violently. And he said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I just ate it before you came and I blessed him. And indeed, he's already got the blessing. He will be blessed. Verse 34, when Esau heard his father's words, he burst out and with a loud and bitter cry said to his father, Bless me too, my father. Verse 35, but he said, Your brother came deceitfully. He's already taken your blessing. (laughs) Wow. Verse 36, continue on with me. Uh, That little deceiving brother, that's Esau, he's living up to his name. He tricked me into giving him my birthright for bean soup, and now he's tricked you too, Father. And now he's stolen my blessings. Dad, um, don't you have a little blessing left to give me? Did you give it all away? Don't you have something left for me, Dad? Come on, you've got to have something. Uh, verse 37 Uh, here's what Isaac tells Esau. I've put him in charge of you, and I've given him provisions, and I don't think there's much left for you, Esau. (laughs) Verse 38, this man's man is now crying. Notice verse 38, he's crying. Uh, It seems to be he's weeping, and he says, Please, Dad, bless me too. Bless me too. So verses 39 and 40 Isaac digs deep and kind of finds a blessing. But I'm going to read it to you. I've got to be honest. It sounds more like a curse than a blessing to me as I read it. Read, read along with me if you have your Bible. Verse 39. His father Isaac answered him, uh, Okay, here's all i got left. Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. Uh, you're going to live by the sword. You're going to serve your brother. You're going to grow restless, uh, and then you're going to throw off the yoke from your neck. That doesn't sound like a great blessing, does it, Glenn? <laughs> uh, here's, here's your blessing. Esau, you're going to live in exile. <laughs> you're going to be always living by the sword. You're always going to be at war. You're always going to be fighting. You're going to serve your little brother. Uh, you're going to be restless all your life. Um, but eventually you're going to throw off the yoke. And most scholars, and I agree with them, say that happens in Numbers chapter 20. (laughs) And that certainly wasn't Esau who did that, but it was his great, 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 great grandson who finally throws off the yoke. We'll look at that in a little bit. But here's the verse that results This is where the grudge comes in. This is where the grudge began. And now you understand what led up to it, how it took flight, if you will, verse 41. Here's here's where the grim tale of grudges uh, between Jacob and Esau starts. Uh, Verse 41, Esau held a grudge against Jacob. Some of us would say, I get it. That was a well-deserved grudge that he held. Because of the blessing his father had given him, he said to himself, Esau says to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. 
then I will kill my brother Jacob. Then I will kill. Now, thankfully for Jacob, he was wrong. It could be that Isaac was sick and they thought he was going to die, but actually he's going to live more than 20 years from now. But they thought he was going to die, but he says, it looks like dad's going to die. As soon as dad dies, brother, you are dead. You are a dead man. I'm going to kill you. So this was a grudge that Esau held lasted more than 20 years. This grudge divided twin brothers. They never again were close. They never again lived near each other. Uh, this grudge divided a family. This grudge divided two nations. This grudge has consequences that continue to today. Pause for a moment. Who do you think was most at fault for this grudge? Think with me now. Who was responsible for this grudge war? Uh, whose fault was it that it began? Who, who do you think was to blame? And here's what's interesting. I would argue that Esau was partially responsible because he sold his birthright for a bowl of beans. He kind of opened the door to this thinking to his brother, and, and clearly his little brother not only came through the door, he knocked it down. So uh, clearly Esau was partly to blame. Uh, Jacob lied and deceived, um, but you say his mother urged him on. It was, it was he can't help it because mom was, was, was pushing him. And, and you think as you read there, maybe... Maybe Jacob was like 12, right? Okay, I get it. Or maybe he was 15 or 18. Um, but uh, I, I did some digging. Listen close. Uh, Jacob was in his mid-30s when this happened. So uh, I, I just want you to know this isn't a little boy under, under the, the strong impression of his mom. This was a man who was responsible for his own actions, and yet he willingly went along and lied and deceived. Uh, Mama Rebecca, uh, she was the schemer here. She was the instigator. She certainly had a big part of this. Um, if you go back to chapter 25 and verse 23, if you'll recall, she got this prophecy regarding the twins, and the prophecy basically said the younger son is going to serve and, and, and be over the older son. So I think Rebecca's saying, Lord, I'm going to help you out here. I, I know you, you're awesome and you're almighty God, but I'm going to help you out uh, and make sure that prophecy comes true. So she thinks she's helping God out by making sure the, uh, the older served the younger. Uh, let, let me say, she, she was definitely uh, partially to blame at least. And I would argue that Isaac's playing favorites with Esau, uh, Isaac's huge interest in food, and you'll notice, just as the stew got Esau into trouble, I would argue that the stew clouded Isaac's judgment, and uh, he was at least partially 
responsible and partially to blame. Okay, here's my point. Give me your eyes. Uh, grudges are usually complex. Grudges usually have a number of factors and a number of people who contribute and bear some of the blame. Okay? But let me just state the clear, important thing that you need to know. This is the result of the grudge match. Okay? Here it is. It permanently divided two twin brothers. Secondly, it divided a family, parents and children. Um, matter of fact, we're going to see next week he gets sent away, and when he comes back, mom's dead. So it's like, this is really sad. Permanently divides uh, a family. It divided two nations because out of these two men, Jacob and Esau, came two nations, and we're going to see in a moment they don't get along, and the consequences of this grudge continue to affect our world today. Um, got your Bible. Go to Genesis 36. Just want to show you something. Genesis 36 and verse 1. I haven't said this in a while. You're always going to need your Bible. The first Sunday we don't open up God's Word, that's my last Sunday. You just come and tell me that. You're done. We need a new, <laughs> we need a new uh, pastor because uh, you didn't open up God's Word because that's what this is all about. Okay? So you're always going to need your Bible. You don't have to wonder... Should I take my Bible to church today? Yes, is the answer, always. If you don't have a Bible, see me. Uh, see Pastor Chad. We'll get you one, okay? Verse 1. Uh, this is the account of the family line of Esau. And then it says that is Edom. Edom. And then it, it goes on. All of Esau's descendants. Uh, but, but it says that they moved... Uh, to a different place. They moved away from the family. They moved to the hill country known as Edom. Edom literally means red. Okay? Red hills, they're reddish, but more specifically, Edom refers to the red of the stew, of the stew of the beans, uh, reddish stew that he ate and partook of. Okay? So, he moved his family to Edom. Uh, Edom today, this is where it gets important, Edom today is modern-day Jordan. Modern-day Jordan. Okay? And then, if you, if you go to Numbers chapter 20 and verse 17, uh, Moses is leading the children of Israel out of the promised land, and now um, they're getting opposition, and now... Moses says, uh, let's go through Edom. They're our relatives. They'll cooperate, I'm sure. They're our cousins. You know? Surely uh, they'll remember that, that we're family and uh, they'll let us pass through Edom. Okay? So he sends his representative to the king of Edom and here's what you need to know. The grudge held firmly. I think, I think word of what had happened a long, long time ago got passed on, passed on, passed on, passed on, and now the grudge in the form of the king of Edom, descendant of Esau, rejected their request with force. Uh, no, and a large army comes and enforces. No. I, I, you think your family? Uh-uh. We got grudge. We got problems that go way back. You're not welcome. Um, 
this is where it gets interesting. Deuteronomy 23 and verse 7, you can write that down. Uh, but the Israelites are told uh, in the law, you may not hate the Edomites, which I think is kind of an interesting command. Uh, they weren't nice. They didn't get along. But, but God's word says, no, uh, they're family. They're your relatives. Uh, you may not hate the Edomites because they're your cousins. Um, however, as you read through First and Second Kings and First and Second Samuel and in Chronicles, the Edomites are constantly attacking King Saul and King David. Isn't that interesting? So you can't hate them, but they're always giving you. They're always wanting to go to war. They're always a pain in your side. So, so let me understand this. Uh, Esau's descendants are constantly attacking Jacob's descendants. Well, where, did, where did that start? We just read about it in Genesis 25 and Genesis 27. That, that's where it started. And from the Edomites, um, the most famous descendant of Esau... Uh, if you go to the New Testament, you can go there with me if you want. Go to Matthew chapter 2 and verses 16 to 18. The, the most famous descendant that you'll know about who, who came from the line of Esau, his name was King Herod the Great. Remember King Herod the Great? The man who in Matthew chapter 2, verses 16 to 18, he's so insecure about the birth of Jesus Christ. Do you remember what he tries to do? Uh, he tries to slaughter the Messiah, the Savior. Uh, this descendant of Esau is so hateful of the king of the Jews, Jesus Christ, that he attempts to go and I'm going to kill him. And, and every baby boy in the region of Bethlehem, kill them all. That's what he says. But the Lord warned Joseph, Mary, and they escaped into Egypt. But uh, this grudge-carrying descendant of Esau, filled with hate toward this descendant of Jacob. And let me just say, much of the animosity in the Middle East today, you want to, you want to trace it back? It goes back to the descendants of Ishmael and the descendants of Esau. And uh, let me just say now, for dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of generations, they keep passing on the grudge. And the grudge continues today. The effects continue today. Uh, anger, resentment, bitterness, hardcore grudges held on over the generations. How does the grudge that Esau held apply to us thousands of years later? How does the grudge that Esau held and for generations have held, and, and not only was it thousands of years ago, but it was thousands of miles away uh, in the land of Eden, in the land of Israel. How, how does that relate to us today? Okay, um, Put up a slide here. Um, here, here is the dictionary definition of a grudge. Here we go. A grudge is a persistent feeling of ill will 
or resentment resulting from a past insult or injury. Okay? Uh, I continue not to feel good about this person because they did something that I took offense to. I resent it. Uh, they said something. They did something. And now I feel like I got a grudge going. <clears throat> Here's what I've discovered. Most families, I would even argue every family, but I'll, we'll just go with most, uh, have some element where one brother doesn't care too much for another brother. And sometimes uh, they, they let it know, be known through insulting and making fun of. Uh, sometimes it's more overt. Uh, I don't really want to be around that brother, so if they're coming for Thanksgiving, I'm not coming. Or if they're coming for Christmas, I'm going to come, but it's not going to be pretty. I'm going to be ugly with you. Um, that's why a lot of times, you know, the, the big holidays, uh, yeah, it's great. It, it's Thanksgiving, but that means the war continues. Uh, here, here's a little proverb of truth. I'm not sure who I can credit with this, but here's what it says. I like what it says. Holding a grudge is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. That's worth writing down. If you got that. Holding a grudge is like drinking poison and then expecting the other person to die. What do you mean? Well, the person who's holding the grudge is usually the one that's most harmed by the grudge being nursed. It really will poison that person, and, and I'm just telling you, it's, it's ugly, and it gets worse, and it gets more and more venomous over time. Here's another slightly different way to say it. Um, holding a grudge is letting someone live rent-free in your head. Maybe you like that one better, okay? So it's amazing, but when you're holding a grudge... You're thinking about it a lot. Why? Because that grudge needs to be fed. That grudge needs to be harbored. Okay? Um, and even though um, grudges tend to start small, they, they, over time, get bigger and stronger. And uh, they begin to grow more ugly, and they divide families, and they divide friends, and they divide churches, and they even divide nations. That's the power of a grudge. I want to use the rest of our time. I, I want to show you how you can grudge-proof your life. And if you'll model this, uh, it very well may be that your children and your grandchildren will pick it up from you, and then they'll grudge-proof their lives. And I want to show you straight from God's Word. So if you have your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 18. How can I grudge-proof my life according to God's Word? Actually, both of these are according to Jesus, okay? So it's God's Word, but it's, it's Jesus saying, I, I don't want you having grudges. I don't want it poisoning your life. Um, let me give you the saying before I read the verse, okay? Uh, 1815, pretty familiar, but here's the saying if you're taking notes. You ready? Here we go. The one with the toes goes. Can you remember that? The one with the toes, you're the one that goes. Okay? 
What do you mean by that? Here we go. Verse 15. If your brother or sister sins against you, what are you supposed to do? Sit there and let it simmer and let it sour and let it fester and let the grunt know. It says what? If your brother or sister sins against you, some of you look and what's the next word? Go. Say it. Go. And point out their fault just between the two of you. And if they listen to you, grudge gone, grudge killed, grudge dead, problem solved, you've won them over. Okay. So, your toes just got stepped on. Thinking with me? Someone stomped on, crushed. Maybe it was accidental. Maybe it was intentional. Does it really matter? Uh, someone stomps on your toes. The one with the toes goes, according to this verse. Okay? Um, and uh, here's, here's where it gets interesting, because some of us are water buffaloes, and we're thick, and we're stomping all around. And, and here's the, the truth. Some of us water buffaloes, we stepped on some toes, and we didn't even know it. Okay? Uh, so we step on toes. So therefore, you need to come talk to me because it's very likely I stepped on your toes and you're saying, well, you should have known it. And that might be true. But I didn't know it because I'm a water buffalo, okay? Because I'm thick, okay? So it is possible that someone steps on your toes and they don't know it. So you go to them, okay? I stepped on and harmed around you and... And now, I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? Okay. Um, but let's say you're a water buffalo, and uh, you suddenly realize, you know what? I, I see somebody, and, and now they're, they're limping around me, and they're acting kind of offended around me, and, and they're acting a little ornery towards me. Um, hmm. I remember this situation. I wonder if I stepped on them. I, I wonder if I harmed them. Go with me to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount addresses this. Okay, So if you're a water buffalo and you sometimes don't notice and it's going to take the Lord to show you, here's what he says. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, uh, what do I do? Uh, leave your gift there in front of the altar Go, be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. You're in church. Offertory begins. Uh, Lord brings to mind an episode. Jeff, you are a big water buffalo. Yes, Lord, I know that. Uh, do you remember when you stepped on that gazelle? Uh, do you remember when you were near that meerkat? Do you remember when you crushed that little bunny uh, rabbit? No, I don't. Well, I'm, I'm reminding you, I'm convicting you of that. Okay, Lord. Uh, you're convicting, uh, go and make it right. And what do you do, water buffaloes? Are you ready? I'm sorry. I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? Um, the Lord made it clear, and, and, and I want you to know I'm really sorry. And, and that really was wrong to step on you. Uh, and uh, will you please forgive me? That kills grudges. You understand? That kills grudges before it grows and gets poisonous. Because grudges divide families. Grudges divide friends. Grudges divide churches. Grudges divide nations. Okay, well, some of you are thinking right now, OK? 
okay, because you've done this before. Well, what if I've got the toes, and I goes, and I go, and I said, hey, um, you might not have meant to do it, um, or maybe you did, I'm not sure, but you stepped on my toes, and you crushed my toes, and, and you harmed me, um, and, and the person says, what are you talking about? I didn't do that. It's not my fault. Uh, you, your feet got in my way. And, and, and besides, you're, you're, just, you're just too sensitive or you're too goofy or whatever, and, and they don't want. Or I went and I asked for forgiveness, and they yelled at me. They got angry at me, and they said, get out of my face. I hate you. I'm never going to forgive you. Well, what do you do then, Pastor Jeff? <laughs> okay, I got a verse for that one, okay? I got a verse for you. Are you ready? Here we go. Go to Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. And in Romans 12, this whole section, it's all about forgiving and don't seek revenge and don't hold grudges. But there's this wonderful verse, Romans 12, verse 18. If it is possible, it's not always possible, that's what it's saying. If it's possible, as far as it depends on who? Me, live at peace with everybody. Okay? Uh, so it's not always possible. Sometimes my toes got crushed, I go, they won't make it right. They won't acknowledge it. Uh, Sometimes I realize I've, I've harmed someone. I go, I apologize, I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. And they're mad and they're yelling and they tell me they're never going to forgive me. Okay? Um, here's what Romans 12, 18 says. You go and you seek to work through the conflict. You go, you do your part. It's not your job to make them do what they should do. I just got to tell you, it took me years and years and years to finally understand that. Because I thought, you know what? If I do my part, then everyone will do their part according to God's word and will live happily ever after and skip through the woods. Okay? The reality is, uh, it's, it's not that way. Uh, sometimes they don't want to do uh, what they should be doing. They don't want to reconcile. They don't want to offer forgiveness. Uh, they don't want to seek forgiveness. Here's what you got to do. As far as it depends on me, I'm going to do my part and I'm going to leave the results with who? That, that's your job, Lord. You, work on the, you worked on me. That's really all I can work on. I'll work on me. Lord, you work on them. And I'm going to trust them into your hands. Don't let a ham war break out around you. Don't allow a ham war to come in and mess your life and your family and your friends and your church and your nation. Well, what do I do? How, how do I keep ham wars from breaking out? Are you ready? Here it is. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. Can you turn to your neighbor right now and practice, please? Turn to him right now. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. Okay, and then you need to, on the other side, say, I forgive you. Okay? Okay, now let them do it to you. I'm sorry. I was wrong. 
please forgive me. And then you say, I forgive you. I forgive you. Did you know when you do it according to the book, it works? When, when you follow the owner's instructions, it always works. It'll work for you. Again, you can't dictate how someone else will respond, but you and the Lord will be right, and it'll kill the grudges in you. And here's, here's the cool thing. And then you do that regularly, and your kids are watching you, and you're killing grudges. Uh, good chance they'll follow, and they'll start killing grudges. And then your grandkids will follow suit. And, and it's pretty cool how that works. Let's pray as we close. Lord, uh, our goal is to shine bright and reflect the love of your son Jesus to a lost and a dying world. And boy, Lord... This world it seems to be getting darker and uglier and angrier by the minute. So, Lord, uh, I'm asking that as we follow your instructions, as we do it your way, Lord, I, I believe we'll shine even brighter. Probably brighter than we ever have in a long time. Help us to be aware of the danger of grudges. And Lord, if there are some here today seated in your church and they're nursing some animosity, there's some harm that's been done to, to them, I'm praying, Lord, right now that you'd speak loud and clear to my friends' hearts today. And if they found reasons and excuses for not going, Lord, would you just start knocking very loudly and very clearly on their heart's door. And Lord, on the other side of the equation, there may be some here today who are pretty sure they've done some harming and stepping on toes. And Lord, as a water buffalo, I know it's easy to pretend that you didn't notice it. It's easy to pretend that you're not aware. But Lord, you have a powerful way of cutting through and making yourself clear. So if there's something we need to be aware of, somebody that we've harmed and stepped on, maybe even we did it accidentally, doesn't matter. Lord, give us the courage to step out and love like Jesus. The world around us desperately needs to see lots of followers of your Son loving like Jesus. My prayer is, Lord, that we'd get so good at stepping out and killing grudges quickly that after a while our, our children would follow our lead and our grandkids would follow our lead. And Jesus Christ would be honored and glorified in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things.